Well, hey, everybody. Uh, boy, it's great to see you all here. Um, it's really exciting to be here with, uh, with you all. It's really exciting. Uh, I mean, I get to see all you NMSU people all the time, so eh. <laughs> NBD there. But uh, it's really exciting to have you all from UTEP and from U of A here. Um, this, is, this is really exciting. Um, this, is really, this is big um, to be starting something new, to be starting the Southwest RUF Fall Conference. Um, so for those of you who are here, NMSU, UTEP, U of A, thanks for kind of throwing in with this. It's kind of like, what are we doing? Um, I can tell you what we're doing. We're trying to tell our campuses that Jesus loves them and that Jesus loves you. And uh, that's a process. It starts small. Um, you know, everything big starts from a small foundation. And so um, this is a really fun way to get started. So um, I'm really excited. I'm really glad y'all are here. I hope that this weekend is simultaneously like fun and encouraging challenging that you can make some friends, uh, get to see a little bit for those of you who are uh, from UTEP what, what RUF can be and that you go back with, on fire to like invite your friends to Bible studies and to that kind of thing. Uh, uh, not that NMSU is the RUF par excellence, we've got a lot of work to do. So um, anyways, my name is Jonathan. Uh, I'm the uh, campus minister at New Mexico State. Um, a little bit about me before I just start talking at you, although I guess that's still talking at you. Um, so I grew up in Colorado, so um, I, I'm kind of from this part of the world a little bit. Uh, and then I went east for school and I didn't like that, so I came back. Uh, I, met, I have the most amazing wife in the world named Caroline. She's right there. Uh, we have, she's the best woman I know. She's amazing, so um, get to know her. And then uh, we have an adorable little baby girl named Phoebe. You'll see her crying sometime this weekend. She really doesn't cry that much, but when she does, she makes her presence known. So. And then we have a puppy named Big Tuna. I'm still not sure why he's named that, but <laughs> it's from the office, um, but it's, he's a great little puppy. So um, anyways, I'd love to, especially y'all from Juve and uh, El, uh, El Paso, I'd love to get to know y'all a little bit more as we, uh, as we go through this weekend. So, um, so of course, RUF is a Christian ministry. And as a Christian ministry, we want to grow in our faith and we want to uh, do that by studying the Bible, by asking hard questions of what does the Bible say? Does it matter? Does it affect how we do college life in our various campuses? Does it actually matter when you go back to campus what the Bible has to say? Um, you know, the Bible has been the sole guiding influence and authority for, uh, for Christians the last 2,000 years. And so it's a really important book. It has a lot to say to our world. Uh, it tells us how God deals with us, how we are to respond to him, uh, primarily through trust and faith, but also through obedience. Um, and so uh, it informs the Christian journey. It informs how we think about our lives and our emotions and our friends. All of it is somewhere hidden in the Bible. And so this week we were going to look at um, three attributes or three facets of Scripture, of the Bible. And we're going to look at those three. Those three are going to be its power, its authority, whoa, there it is, and its sufficiency. It's power, authority, and its sufficiency. And today, we're going to start off by looking at the power, the power of Scripture. Why does Scripture have power? How does Scripture have power? And how does that matter when you're back on campus or when you're encountering your roommate or when you're encountering your parents? When life starts to happen, how does Scripture inform those things? So uh, to do that, we're going to look at a small piece uh, of Psalm 19, 
today. And we're going to see how in kind of broad strokes and hopefully zero in on those, how David tells us that God's word has power in our lives. So um, the text is right here. So uh, I'm going to read this. If you have a Bible, you can go to Psalm 19. I'm going to read this and then we'll, we'll look at it. So uh, this is God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rule of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Would you pray with me really quick? Father in heaven, uh, we are honored and we are thankful that we can be here. We're thankful for your mercies and getting us here safely uh, all the miles that were driven yesterday and um, no one hit elk, no one had wrecks, no one, uh, nothing tragic happened. We're, we're grateful for that. We're thankful that we can be here and be uh, away from heat and away from campus and uh, spend time together studying your word and also having fun together. We pray now for these next minutes as we Look and see how your word talks about itself and how it can transform our lives, that you would be with us, that your spirit would work in and through each of us for your glory and your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so I just said that we think we're going to look at three facets of Scripture. And one of those that we're going to look at right now is Scripture's power. How Scripture is powerful. And a very godly man who is writing about this very psalm, he says that the, that the, the psalms or, or a scripture, he says special revelation, which is a, a big theological way of saying scripture, special revelation shows us God's will and it evokes intelligent response, well-founded trust, and detailed obedience. So that you think what he says there, he says it starts here, then it goes here, then it goes here. Intelligent response, well-founded trust, and detailed obedience. And that's how I want us to look for the next few minutes at Scripture's power. How it starts in our minds, then it moves to our hearts, and then it moves to our actions, to our hands. And so that's how we're going to look at this. We're going to start with how Scripture works in our minds, to our hearts, and our hands. And so uh, today we're going to see how Scripture informs our minds, shapes our hearts, and guides our actions. Informs our minds shapes our hearts and guides our actions. And so let's, let's look at that. Let's start with how Scripture informs our minds. Look with me again at verse 8, if you have your Bible or if you look on the screen. Look at it look again. It says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. Now when he says that, what does he mean? Does he mean that we could walk into a dark room with this and we could start seeing where we're in, in a dark room? No, of course not. He's not talking about physical light. He's talking about almost a spiritual sense of light, that we can, that through Scripture we get a spiritual enlightening or a spiritual awareness. It doesn't mean physical light. It means something else. And, uh, and, and 2 Corinthians 4 tells it in a little, little different way. And there the Apostle Paul says, For God, who has said, Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is, God, through his word, cuts through our darkness, through our misunderstanding, through even our spiritual deadness, to show us God's love and to save us from sin. Now, how is that done? 
How does God do that of cutting through our darkness? Well, he uses scripture. He uses the scripture to do that. That, that, that. He uses the scripture to give us spiritual insight or awareness of who God is, who we are, and what God has done to reconcile us and restore our world. And scripture does that in two ways. First, it tells us what's true, and then it gives us perspective. It tells us what's true, and then it gives us perspective. So first, uh, it tells us what's true. So I live uh, near NMSU's campus, but uh, just far enough outside of Las Cruces that there's no streetlights, right? There's no, you know, and so uh, when you're driving, you know, you'll be driving, I'll be driving home from campus after large group or after a Bible study, and the streetlights kind of end, and it gets real dark real fast, right? Las Cruces doesn't have a lot of light pollution, and so it gets really dark. And one night, I did something really dumb. I was driving home, and I was like, how dark is it? <laughs> so I'm driving home, and I was like, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I'm dri- I was like, I've slowed down, and I was like, I'm going to just turn my lights off, just for a sec, just to see how dark it is. And so I turned my lights off, and instantly it went so black, so dark. I was still going 15 miles an hour, but I was instantly terrified, because I was like, if something is there, I have no clue. <laughs> absolutely no clue that if something's there. So I turned them off and about half a second later, I turned my lights back on it lit up the road and I was like, oh, thank God, I can see. I can see where I'm going. I can see what's true. I can see what's out there. That's what scripture does for our spiritual life. It tells us what's out there. It tells us what is true. Now, don't do what I did. That's very foolish. Um, but, But But do hear the illustration, hear the analogy, is that Scripture does that for us, but in a spiritual sense. Psalm 119 says exactly that. You've probably heard or read this before. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That Scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it tells us what is true in a spiritual sense. It tells us, first, that we're sinners. Primarily, that we are people who need to be reconciled with God because of our sin. It shows us that we fall short of God's glory or of his law. It shows us our sin. It shows us our lack of love for God and for each other. It shows us how we use other human beings for our selfish ends, not for their good. It shows us our sins. Scripture is sort of like a medical test or like a, like a litmus test. It shows us where there are poisonous, deadly toxins in our own lives and in the world around us. But not only that does it just show us our sins, it shows us also what's true of God's goodness and of his character and of his mercy and of his love. It shows us that primarily in Jesus. Romans 1.16 says uh, that the, the gospel is the power, there it is, the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes in Jesus. And then just a couple chapters later in Romans 10, Paul quotes this very psalm in Psalm 19 when he says in in Romans 10, 17, for faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That he he says basically we can't know God without this. We cannot know God without Scripture. Without the scripture, we would have no idea of our desperate spiritual state and no idea of God's rich love. It shows us what's true. It enlightens our eyes. That without scripture, we would be stuck in our depression, in our anxiety, 
in our sexual abuse, in our sexual addiction, in loneliness, in pain. Scripture is this enlightening power that invades into our brokenness and shows us what's true. Second thing that Scripture does as it enlightens our mind is it gives us perspective on life. It gives us perspective on life. So I grew up in Colorado, like I said, and uh, my family was super uh, into the outdoors scene. Uh, we were backpacking all the time. We spent tons of time just exploring the Rocky Mountains, backpacking on these trips. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was a kid. As a kid, I did not like walking in the forest. I still kind of don't. I know that's weird. I just don't like walking through the forest. It gets boring to me. Um, and so, but uh, I remember one trip in particular, we were backpacking, and we were just walking through the woods forever, it felt like forever. And, and we, we started climbing up this pass and there's trees all around us. And we were, I was just like, I am done with these stupid trees, the same trees over and over. And the slope just starts getting steeper and steeper. And we were on the south side of the, of the, the mountain. So the sun's just like beating down on us and the mosquitoes are bad. And I'm just like, this is dumb. Why am I here? This is the dumbest sport in the entire world. Why am I giving up the comforts of life to go sleep in a tent and eat crappy food and be hot and sweaty? It's like, this is horrible. I'm not having fun. And uh, I remember just, just feeling like this is dumb. And we probably spent four hours on the pass. And finally, eventually you start to get high enough as you're climbing that you punch through the trees and you end up on this, uh, this, this high pass, right? And you look out and all of a sudden you gain this perspective on the world and on the, uh, where you are and you're like, oh, it becomes so worth it. Here I am up high in the mountains and I'm, I look around, I see mountains that way and mountains that way and valleys that way and a little lake down there. And I see snow and I see birds in the air. And it's just, it's like, oh yeah, I have perspective on why we trudge through those dumb trees for so long. It was to get to this high point where all of a sudden, I mean, we call it the mountaintop experience for a reason. Things start to make sense of why I'm trudging through all of these trees. And that's what Scripture does for us. Scripture starts to give us perspective on why we're here, where we're going, what God is doing in our world. Scripture tells us that God is on, I love how the Jesus Storybook Bible tells it. If you don't have one, pick one up. They're amazing. It tells us that God is on, that, 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 that this young prince is on a secret rescue mission to redeem his people, to deliver his people from slavery. It tells us that we're in a story. It tells us that we are a part of something bigger than our own lives. It tells us that we are participating in a giant redemptive epic that matters, that when you're in the grind of Algebra 2 or Calculus or Biochem and you're just like, what am I doing? Or when you're fighting it out with your roommate or when your parents are getting a divorce, Scripture tells us that there's a bigger story happening. It lets you in behind the curtain to say God is doing something bigger and grander than what we can see. It gives us perspective when we're discouraged, confused, hurting, slogging through life. It tells us that Jesus is on his throne, ruling and bringing his kingdom. 
So first we see that Scripture enlightens our minds by telling us what's true and giving us perspective. But that's just here. If it was only here, if the Bible was only just informing our minds, then it would be basically like an algebra textbook or a biochemistry textbook. You'd be like, this is great information, but it doesn't really do much to me when I'm really discouraged or when I need something else. So that's where Scripture moves from our minds to our hearts. Scripture shapes our hearts. That's part of the power of Scripture. Look again at verse 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And I want to zero in on those two phrases, reviving the soul and rejoicing the heart. Initially, that sort of seems like a contradiction. How can law revive our soul? How can law revive our soul? When you think of law, you basically just think of a big old buzzkill, right? (laughs) You think of something that's basically just trying to damper the fun, right? How in the world can law revive our soul? Especially when we think about the law of God. That's not going to revive my soul. How does that happen? Well, how, how, how can that bring rejoicing to our hearts? Well, because the law here, when he uses the word law, he uses the biblical word Torah. In Hebrew, it's the word Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And that book, and those five books, yes, there's law in them. But really, again, what they are is a story of a God who says, who rescues his people out of Egypt and says, I'm bringing you to the promised land. I'm bringing you to a a place of flourishing, of peace with you and your neighbor and your parents and your God, a place of total peace. A place where there's no more evil, ideally. A place where you can worship God fully. So when he says the Torah, that is this story of what God is doing in his people Israel's life, brings rejoicing, that starts to make sense. And that becomes all the more true in the person and work of Jesus, who is bringing us to a place where evil is completely eradicated where there's no more mourning, no more tears, no more crying, no more grieving, no more divorce, no more sexual abuse, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more loneliness. If that is happening, then this story, this Torah, can revive and can rejoice your heart and my heart. I love how we, what we just sang to, puts it, Psalm 130, that his word upholds my fainting spirit. His word upholds my fainting spirit. Many of you know that I love cycling. Like if there's one thing in this world I love, it's cycling. Well, my wife, but then cycling. (laughs) It's not a competition, but I really love cycling. (laughs) Um, So uh, why do I love cycling? Why do I love it? Well, for starters, I just love to hurt on a bike, but there's more to it than that. When I'm on a, I always say, if you hang out with me long enough, you'll hear me say, life makes sense on a bike for me. Life makes sense on a bike. When I'm on a bike and I'm just in this rhythm of just grinding at pedals, looking around me like this perfect balance of like physical pain and mental clarity, everything just starts to click together and I can start to think clearly about what's important in my life, about how I'm not loving my wife well or about how I'm being a poor pastor or how I need to prioritize my time differently. I get this perspective, I get this, 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 this sense of who I am and what matters when I'm, on a, when I'm on a bike. Life makes sense on a bike for me, right? 
And uh, when I get off my bike at the end of the day, I'm refreshed, I'm rejuvenated, I'm revived, I'm ready to go back at life again. Those bike rides are restorative for me. Like over the week, you know, you know how life is. You just kind of get clogged up and gunked up with junk from class and friends and parents and like life happens and you need those, those things that will revive you again and restore clarity in thinking. That's what scripture does to us. As we spend time in community and together, life begins to make sense as we spend time in this book. Life begins to make sense as we spend time and it begins to revive our hearts, restore our soul back to sanity, back to thinking clearly. How does it do that? How does it revive our souls, rejoice our hearts? Well, at the end of the day, it deals with our emotions. Remember what I said, it, it, it informs our hearts. The Bible is an extremely emotional book, and it's a book about emotions. The Bible is not just a textbook, and that's really good news. The Bible is not just a textbook of theological answers that you go then put in a scantron and get the right answer to. The Bible tells us how we are to relate to our heart, to God's heart, and to each other's hearts. The Bible is a story of ups and downs, of joy, of mourning, of apathy, of despair, of warmth, of happiness, of depression, of anxiety. The whole range of human emotional experience is in this book. It's in there. But not only is it in there, but it guides us in and through our emotions, through those ups and downs. Now, why does that matter? Because here's why it matters. Because life is emotional. <laughs> That's just a fact. Life is emotional. Life has ups and downs and highs and lows. Here's the reality. We all have the grind of life. When we're just bogged down in school and we're mourning the effects of sin in the world and we're wondering why everything just seems so bad, Scripture shows us that God is at work through Jesus and through the church and through his Holy Spirit to fix this world. It gives us that perspective in our heart of hearts that shows us that this is not the end of the story. And here's why, here's why this is important. It's important because you need that, and I need that, because the grind is real. Do you know, do you know why that's important? Because October's coming. <laughs> October is coming. What happens in October? You've been doing about 10 weeks of school, right? So you've, been, you've been studying hard for about 10 weeks, and yet you've still got about six weeks to go. <laughs> and Thanksgiving break is still a long ways away. And Christmas break is even farther away and you're tired and you're frustrated and you're sick of pulling all-nighters and you're sick of studying and your roommate's getting on your nerves or if you live with your parents, they're even more on your nerves than a roommate could be. And you're just, you're just ground down. You're just worn out. I know that's true of me in October. When tight budgets and depression and loneliness are real, it's at those moments that Scripture comes and it meets us right there and it says, yeah, this stuff is hard. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to even be depressed. But then it also says, and there is a Godward direction for those emotions. We need scripture to show us anew that God meets us in our emotions and then pushes us towards glorifying him, towards thankfulness, towards community. 
Scripture says things like, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God is our refuge and strength. His steadfast love endures forever. And that's just in the Psalms. That's just in the Psalms. Scripture is full of, insur- of assuring, encouraging hope which revives and reassures your soul. Scripture tells us the gospel. The gospel is the best news of redemption that this world has ever heard. If the gospel is true, y'all, I'll put everything on this. If the gospel is true, if Jesus really died and came back to life, then, then there is hope for you in your emotions, ups and downs. Then there is hope in those moments, and that comes through Scripture. That is, if it's true, that is super applicable to you and to me on campus because Scripture gives us the freedom to feel and yet directs those feelings towards God in a holy Godward direction. Did you hear that? God gives us, Scripture gives us the freedom to feel and yet directs those feelings in a Godward direction. Some of you get thrown around by your emotions. I know that's how I am. When I'm feeling something, I get overwhelmed by that feeling. I get crushed by it. When you're up, you're the king of the world. When you're down, you're in despair and despondency. Scripture simultaneously acknowledges those emotions and yet pushes us to bring them to God. Some of you could use a bit of emotion in your life, you engineers out there, (laughs) right? Scripture pushes you in emotional and relational expression and it, it tells you you are made as a person who is meant to feel things in this world love warmth even sadness <laughs> and it shows us how to do that and then directs it in a godward direction so here it is scripture informs our minds it guides our hearts and next it, it helps us in our actions it guides our actions this is our last point looks at verse seven again the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. Now the word wise there, that word is used over and over again in the Bible to express this idea of biblical wisdom. And uh, that word is used all the time specifically in the book of Proverbs, right? And and the word wisdom, what what is wisdom? In In the biblical sense, wisdom is basically skill in the art of godly living. Skill in the art of godly living. That, that it means that you, when you are a wise person, you have the ability to make choices in your very daily life that befits a Christian, that is in line with or in agreement with your Christian conviction. And in contract with biz- biblical wisdom is this idea of foolishness. If you've read Proverbs, you've seen, it talks about the fool all the time. And here it uses the word simple. That is, those who are unskilled in the art of living, who just don't know how to make it through their day, but definitely not even in a Christian or a godly sense. Well, look what it says here. It says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Scripture not only informs our minds with the gospel and shapes our emotions, but it gives us really practical advice for how to live with one another, (laughs) for how to deal with each other, how to interact in in a world of roommates of parents, of sibling, how to live out and express human sexuality in ways that lead to flourishing and whole person, how to deal with money, how to deal with our sin, how to deal with other sins, principles on what media to partake in, songs, movies, TV shows. It tells us how to deal with um, things like government and race issues and culture, 
what substances are we should partake of? Alcohol, drugs. Scripture starts with how to deal with God and our sin, but then it explodes into literally every facet of the life that you interact with on campus. Every single piece of it. The very practical life that you live. So I am... For many of you who, who are from New Mexico State, you, you've heard me talk about this before. I worked at a plant nursery for 14 years, uh, a wholesale plant nursery. And so it was like a farm, uh, tr- you know, tractors, and we grew plants and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the boss of the place was this guy named Al. And he was an amazing human being, incredibly godly, incredibly wise. He, he really became like a second father to me. Um, just as I worked with him for years and years. And, uh, you know, when I started working there at the beginning, I was, it was 2007, I was young. Al had some rough edges, right? He, he was known to, like, get frustrated with his employees. He was still a godly Christian man, but he had some rough edges, right? Um, I remember one particular story. We, uh, this was kind of our fault. It was definitely our fault. But we misplanted 500 daylilies upside down. So he was just like beside himself mad. He was just like, what are you doing? Well, we had no idea what we were doing. It was like, well, I guess this end goes. So he was really, really upset with us. And he made us go through and and like, you know, it's what he should have done. But he was really upset with us. And what was amazing um, is over the 14 years that I worked with him, I'd go back every summer and slowly those edges started to get filed away, right? He started to become a softer person. And you know why? It's because Al was one of the most scriptural men I've ever met. He lived, breathed, consumed this book, right? That, that he, he memorized it, he studied it, he lived in this book. And I have to tell you, over those years, it had an effect on him. That the power of scripture changed him and then I watched a godly man become more godly in his, in his very real practical life, how he dealt with employees. And I have to tell you, the same thing happened my last year at the nursery. We planted, it wasn't me, I knew, I knew better after 14 years, I'd hope I did. Some employees planted a bunch of plants upside down. And he was just like, it happens. It's okay. Jesus is on his throne, we'll figure it out. Y'all, that's the power of scripture at work in someone's life. That over time, immersing himself in Scripture, his actual life was transformed to where one instance he blew up at his employees, another instance he's just like, meh, we'll be okay. That power is available to you and to me through this book. That's incredible. That's incredible so that you are not stuck being (laughs) you at your worst. That through the power of Scripture and the Holy Spirit's use in its life, your very daily life can change and transform. That the Spirit uses Scripture to guide us how we live so that when you encounter choices in your life, you're weak. I guarantee that Scripture can speak into that and change by the Holy Spirit. Change your life. Okay, so we see in this that Scripture is powerful because it informs our minds, it shapes our emotions, and it guides our actions, that the Holy Spirit uses the Bible powerfully in us. There's a wise group of godly men who said 400 years ago, it says that the Holy Spirit uses the reading and the preaching of the Word to convince and convert sinners and to build them up in comfort, there's the emotions, and holiness, 
there's our actions, by faith for salvation. The Holy Spirit uses the reading and the preaching of the word to convince and convert sinners, to build them up in comfort and holiness, by faith for salvation. That's what Psalm 19 says, that God uses scripture powerfully in our lives. Okay, so if this is true, how, does, how do we live? How, are we to, how does that matter to us? Well, I think there's a couple of things. This isn't new to some of you. It shouldn't be new, it's okay, but it, I'll say it anyways. We need to know this book. We need to know it here. We need to know it here. We need to know it here. We need to be a people who know and live in Scripture. Why? Because we desperately need it. Not because your parents tell you you need to read it or because your church tells you you need to read it. Because we need Scripture in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. We need Scripture because we need grace and there is grace in this book. We should be a people that in that grind, that mid-October grind in the conundrums of life, we yearn for its wisdom. Second, not only do we need to know Scripture, we need to know it together. It's not enough for you to have your personal quiet time. You need a community of people who will help you see and understand and grow through Scripture. You need pastors. You need friends. You need a community, a church that helps you through Scripture. That's why we say in RUF the church is so important because the church is a community of people from across generations and ages and men and women and races and cultures all coming around this book to try and figure out how it matters. Take full advantage of those. And finally, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would work through his book powerfully in our lives to inform, to shape, and to guide us. Because at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit who does all this, who works powerfully in us through Scripture. So what do we say when we mean that Scripture is powerful? We mean that it informs our minds, it shapes our hearts, and it guides our actions. You need that. I need that. On Monday morning, when you go back to campus, you need that. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit would do that in and through us. And let's study the scripture so that we can know its power. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for the, uh, for the word that you've given us and that it is powerful. That you and your Holy Spirit use power, use the powerful word to teach us who we are. That we are sinners in need of your reconciling love. To shape and direct our emotions towards you and to guide our actions. Lord, may that be true of every single one of us here, students, staff, children, that we are a people of your word and that we are shaped by its power. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys.